one. And as you're turning there, let me kind of go over some announcements. It's been kind of a, we're changing our format. Uh, if you're watching us online, you're actually watching us on our website now. We are moving away from Facebook. We're getting off of Facebook, and we are going straight to our own website. Uh, we will have uh, messages archived there. You might be saying, what is your website? Redemption of Jasper, no spaces, redemptionofjasper.org. In fact, if you could take, don't do it now because you'll crash our internet here. But if you'll go on your phone, I'm going to teach you a little trick. If you'll go on your phone and go down to your search engine that's going to pull up the internet, and you'll type in redemptionofjasper.org. If you're on iPhone, I know how to do this. On Google, I have no idea. So uh, come to me after the service and I'll try to figure it out. But on, on um, iPhone, when you pull up the web page, you notice at the bottom you see some different uh, uh, logos at the bottom. One of them has a box with an arrow on it. It's like you want to send it. If you'll click that send, scroll through the menu, and, and then add it to your desktop on your phone. If you do that, you will have the Redemption Baptist Church app on your phone. So all you got to do is click that app, and all of a sudden, you're going straight to our website. On the website, you will see announcements. You will see uh, events coming up where you can register to go on certain events. We're going to eventually move everything in that direction so that that will be the hub in which we are going to communicate. Right now, our services are online. Uh, and, and the music and everything is, is looking a little different for you. Uh, I, we're, we're trying to make it a little bit more user-friendly at home. We're putting the words. I'm putting the sermon outline while I'm speaking. All that kind of stuff is, is there. So if you see more gray in my head, or if you've seen the bald spot get bigger, it is because I am a, not a tech-savvy guy. It has been one tough week for me. I called the guy and got him on the phone. I said, okay, stop talking. He said, excuse me? I said, we're talking about technology and I'm in a bell curve. I'm at the beginning of the line. I'm not even up the mountain yet. Now, you're going to have to speak to me like, uh, you know, like a kindergartner when it comes to this kind of tech stuff. So we got it going uh, and hopefully this will be a wonderful uh ministry that we could continue to use and uh, continue to get the gospel out there uh, for all people to hear. All right, we've got some announcements. Uh, pay attention to the, the guide that you got as you was coming in. There's an evangelism training that's coming up next Sunday night. Uh, how many of y'all have heard of Johnny Hunt? Y'all have heard of Johnny Hunt? Well, he's going to be speaking in Birmingham at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. It's called the Who's Your One Tour. Right now, the Southern Baptists are using this kind of evangelism campaign of who's your one, trying to teach us all the importance of sharing the gospel with someone uh, throughout the year. So it's a training tool. It's kind of a rally to help you. That's Sunday night, Monday morning. If you want to go, let me know. I'm going. I'll be there. Uh, so um, though that's one of the announcements. We also have uh, T-shirts that we're going to be ordering you need to be aware of that. The sign-up sheet is outside the door here. Uh, and if you're watching online, just contact us. Uh, contact us through message or uh, send me a message, text message that you would like to have a long sleeve t-shirt. That's what we're ordering. Um, we're also going to have crafts. 
uh, for next week. So that sign-up sheet is out there. I told you it's a lot of announcements. It's, it's a lot going on. There's also Trail Life. is a ministry. It's very similar to Boy Scouts except it's got a Christian base to it. Uh, Trail Life, we're going to have a meeting here this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. And next Sunday, we're going to have a business meeting, okay, to go over some uh, things that we, we need to take care of, okay? I think that's all of it. Uh, I think that's it. That's what we're going to call. Uh, we're gonna, just going to call it. Now, we're going to be in chapter 1, verse 12. And as I was preparing for this message, it's funny how the Lord puts you in a situation and He gives you the Scripture at the same time. And while you're trying to digest what the Word says, you're actually having to live it out. Have y'all noticed that before? This week has been, I'm telling you, it's been one of those weeks. Y'all heard me talk about the tech thing. Let me tell you about my day off. Right? On my day off, I went to help my brother put in an air conditioner in Northport. We got down there to do the install, and this is what my brother said. He said, oh, we'll be done by 12. You'll be back home. So uh, Jim didn't pack a lunch, okay? So we go down there, and the electrician didn't show up, and the parts didn't come in. They came in about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I had to crawl underneath the house, and there was leaking sewage underneath the house. And I say, praise God, I didn't have to crawl through that. Oh, I did, but I had to do, I could, it was in a spot where I could get on my hands and knees and not have to crawl around on my belly. The whole time I'm under there, I am regretting my life choices. Amen. I mean, I was, I don't want to get too graphic, but as I was sliding underneath the house, it was catching my belt loop and pulling my pants down. It was that close. I mean, when I crawled out from underneath the house, I look like the, the dirt-colored Pillsbury Doughboy. I don't, I don't know how else to explain that. The whole time I'm doing this, I'm trying to keep a positive attitude. Why? Because James ate my lunch. Everybody is looking at me, and I'm going, I just love this, right? So, in, in thinking about all this, isn't it funny? And that's why I want to encourage you, and you're going to hear me talk even more about it as we get into the sermon. That's why it's so important to get into God's Word. Because it would, got, it would have been so easy for me to fly off the handle and say, you know what? Uh-uh. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I'm going to do. And get in my truck and go home and show my little temper side and walk away from it all. But during the day, I had opportunities to talk to the homeowner about Jesus. And you don't think that she was paying attention to the way I looked and the frustration we were feeling and our, my actions on and how I was responding to that? So I want this is a message for every one of us because we've all had those weeks where our plans go off the rail, right? And we just have a terrible week. And finally, we just want to just go, I quit, I'm out, whatever it is, I'm not going to do it anymore. This message is for all of us. All right, I entitled it Facing Trials. How do we do that? How, how can we do this in the Christian perspective? Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us. Father, we ask you, dear Lord, to help us to hear from you today. Lord, as we have your word open, I pray, God, that you will take the words of this, of this book and bring it off the, the page and plant it into our heart. 
Lord, what you have to say is much more important than what I have to say. So, Lord, let you increase and let me decrease. And let us sit at your feet today and listen to you, oh God. Help us, Lord. Speak to our heart. Challenge us in the areas where we fail you. And, Lord, give us the grace to stand when called upon. Lord, I ask this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to dive into the text this morning. We're going to begin with uh, verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12. Now, in getting to this, we've got to hold this in mind because I'm about to use this word trials. I want you to understand the way James wants us to approach it. He says in verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, LOL when life is tough. That's hard to do, isn't it? But in that context, this is what he wants you to understand, is that these trials that God puts in your life, they're going to strengthen you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to cause you to grow. And then God's going to do something amazing through this. This is what James wants us to understand. Now, in that context, let's look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's look to the point that you and I can seek to apply into our life. As we are facing trials, we have one important truth we need to remember as we're going through the trial is God desires our greater good. Will you, will you say that with me? God desires our greater good. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody beaten down with life and somebody going through struggles and they say, I don't know why God is being so mean to me. I don't know why God has abandoned me where I am. Let me tell you a truth that comes out of Scripture, and this is where we're going to get today. God desires our greater good. He might have you go through something that's extremely difficult, but it's for your own good. You know, I don't like to do certain things in my life, but I have to do these things uh, because it's for my greater good. It's for my good. I don't like to read. I was 26 years old when I read my first book from cover to cover. That means I was out of high school and already into college. In fact, I flunked out of English when I went into college because I had no desire or no want to read until my life hit the shambles. I had everything financially I wanted. I had my dream job. I had started up a new business of building homes. We were building $250,000 homes, and we were selling them. Everything seemed great. I had two wonderful kids. And in the midst of this, my life hit rock bottom, where I thought all my goals were reached. I was struggling spiritually. And I went to my pastor and I said, what do I do? 
He saw. I mean, I was rough. Y'all heard me tell you there were times, and I, I just thank the Lord for Brother John Reeves. He was my pastor. He was young. And somebody like me walked in his Sunday school class the very first time, sat down. He looked at me, asked me a question. I said, listen, don't ever look at me. Don't ask me questions. Don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to read. I'm doing what I need to do by just sitting here. That was the old Jim. I was struggling. Fast forward a few years later, I had crashed and went rock bottom. I went to my pastor, hat in hand. I was like, I don't know what to do. He knew I was a hot mess. He knew there wasn't a whole lot of help for this kind of guy. No, I mean, this is like a 24-7 call to help somebody like me. You know what he did? He put me into something. He gave me a book called The Wonderful Spirit Life, Spirit-Filled Life by Charles Stanley. That was the first book I read from cover to cover. Why did I read it? It's because I was desperate. I had never read out of the scriptures. I looked to the Bible. I, I looked at it, and I said, I don't understand it. That is weird way to talk. I, I, I really had no understanding of biblical things, and what he had to do is he had to start me out in something like that. And I read that book, and, and then it, it just really opened up my eyes on how to read God's Word and how to pray and have an intimate walk with Christ. And I began to surrender more and more of my life to Christ. And then as I was doing this, I was seeing my pastor, and he then, you know what he did to me? He put me in the book of Romans, and we stayed there for a while. Because eventually, I just had to look at my pastor and say, can God love somebody like me? See, I had been listening to the lies of this world so much that I began to believe it. And then, as I got into the Word, then God began to show me something. That God desires the greater good for me. What I was going through in my life was not glorifying to Him. So you know what He was doing? He was pulling it away from me. And he was showing me a path in which it was for my better good. And during those times, I began to listen. I began to pray. I began to seek God. And it was years down the road. I, began, I got involved in ministry. And then out of that, God called me into ministry. What I can say from my personal testimony is faith becomes stronger through the trial. Charles Spurgeon said it better than that. He says, you know, if you have a faith that has not been tested, you have a faith that cannot be trusted. How do you know you truly believe unless you've gone through the fire? How do you truly know you believe in Christ and you believe all that he stands for until that's all you have left to cling to? So we can see this as the text, as he is bringing us through this, because he wants to tell us that we're going to uh, bless it, or the approval of God falls upon them who are tested, who are going through the trials. Now, you might be asking the question here, because in the King James, it has temptation. Earlier, it says trial. Let me give you a little clue here. In the Greek, it's the same word. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay. How do you know which way to translate it? Because trial is a little bit different than temptation. See, trial is like putting fire to it. When you put fire to it, you burn off the impurities, and what is left is pure. Temptation is a pulling away. So how do you know which way? I asked my Greek professor that day. I was like, oh, I got a question. You got me here. How do you know which one? He said, context, my friend, context. 
here's the best way I can explain it. I shared this with one of my groups last this past week. I want to share it with you. Many of you don't know, or many of you do know, I personally do not like Oreos. It is a cookie of the devil. Do you hear me? It is a nasty cookie. It's bitter chocolate stuck together with lard and sugar. Yum. I do not understand how people eat those things. But listen, you set before me an Oreo cake, an Oreo pie, Oreo cookie, Oreo ice cream, whatever you want to say. I am good to go. <laughs> there will be no testing of Jim because why? I don't want to go there. However, if you put peanut butter in front of me, y'all got me? I'm the salty sweet guy. I love something salty, something sweet. So if you add peanut butter to the mix, we've got some dangerous ground that Jim's going to walk on. Okay, now what's the difference between here? Now, when God places a trial upon me, he knows what the outcome should be. And he is calling me to the good thing. He's calling me to what is right. Temptation is where I've got to make a choice, and it's going to pull me away from God. Now, how do you know you're making the right choice? Here's the thing. Anytime you and I go through a trial, I want you to think of a fruit press. Y'all have heard me sometimes teach this. Trials and suffering and tribulation is like pulling, putting, you're putting your life in there and somebody and the Lord or someone is putting a squeeze on you. How many of y'all have seen that before where they cut half an orange and set it there and they pull that lever and all of a sudden the juice is running out the bottom? I have never in my life seen anybody cut an orange, put it in there, pull it down and grape juice come out. Here's what we need to understand. This is what James is trying to teach us. When you're going through the trial, you're under the pressure. When those words fly, God didn't make you mad. That person didn't make you mad. I've used that before, right? That person just made me mad. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anger was already in here. That person just brought it out. That ugly mouth is already in here. That situation just brought it out. The salute to the person who's cutting in front of you in the car was already in here. That person cutting in front of you just brought it out. Those bad things that you're looking on at the internet, it's not Google's fault. Not Facebook, it's not all these other things. It's already there. And the situation you're in is what's bringing it out. See, and God knows those kind of things. And, and God wants us to see. So when we lose our cool, when we say things, when we see things, when we do things. And, we, and we're going to go deeper into this. Because, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting ahead of my sermon. Because he's really going to expound on this even more here in a minute. But I want you to understand. God wants us to see these things so that we will repent and recognize we're going down the wrong road. See, James says, if anyone asks or is in lack of wisdom. So when we're going through the test, we're going through the trial, and, and then all of a sudden we recognize what is coming out should not, it, it shouldn't be there. We need to go to God. Okay, God, what do I need to do? And God is going to help you. 
He's going to carry us through redemption. He's going to carry us through forgiveness, repentance, and bring us back and teach us what we need to do. So that through this, you and I, our faith becomes stronger. I want to share this with you as well, that when you go through the trials and you see that God has been faithful, your faith begins to grow. So that when the next trial comes along, you go, you know what? I know God's got this. Last time I had, was going through this, I leaned into the Lord and he took care of me and he took me through this. So I have nothing to fear because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. I am not afraid. You can look at the world like uh, Paul said. and You can say, you know what? This world can take my life, but it can't take my soul. Because to be present with the Lord. To be absent with the, from this body is to be present with the Lord, which is a greater thing. Amen? So no matter, and we're going to see this in the text. And we need to understand it is not God. And, the, and what James wants us to see is not God that's drawing us towards evil. You and I have a sin nature about us. You and I have a sin habit about us. We have a way of drawing or pulling how do I know that? Because I can tell you, as a pastor of the church, there are days that I get up and I just don't want to read. There are days I get up and I just don't want to pray. Why? Because the old gym goes, hey, wouldn't it be good to take a day off? Wouldn't it be good to just take five for a little bit? Wouldn't it be good to just relax? And I have to say, sometimes I listen to my old self, and I sit back in that recliner, and I let the day begin without starting it with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, I began to get hit. I began to get hit left and right. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Because when the pressure comes on, what comes out is not right. And I go, wait, I need to hit pause for a minute. Something's not working. So what James is trying to tell us is that we've got these sinful habits in our life. Sinful habits are like a relationship. This is the terminology he's using. Sinful habits are like a relationship. And that sinful, uh, these habits, wants to cohabitate with sin. Put it in layman's terms. The sinfulness that, or the, habits, the actions of our life wants to live intimately in sin. That is the language he's using here. That's the language. He wants this. And then when sin and my habits begin to commingle, begins to live together. I don't know what the phrase is for the, the modern phrase. Cohabitate, live together, shack up, whatever the phrase is. When my desires begins to blend in with sin, guess what's birthed? death that is the image that he's using there that when you and i are pulled into these relationships the outer result will be death let me tell you all sin leads to death now as a believer in jesus christ there's something different about you you have been redeemed you have been paid for with a price and the lord god almighty owns you he bought you so you're not your own anymore However, there will be discipline to those who belong to him. There will be discipline. All right, so we've got to go a little further. We've got to go a little faster. In verse 19, 
So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Listen to what he is saying. How do we respond when we go through the trials? He said, take time to hear from God. Take time to hear from God. Don't jump out there too quick. Slow your row a little bit. Don't get, just let your first response be your response. Take five, back up, take a deep breath. Think about things before you respond. That's what he's asking you to do. Now, here's what I want to warn you. If you are not spending time in God's word, if you're not listening to him, if you're not seeking to find application in his word to apply it into your life, if you're not having the word in your life, then that little pause moment is not going to last very long. See, when, when we go through, when we begin to be put under and we notice something immediately, we need to stop. And we need to respond. Be careful for what you say is next. Be careful for what you say. I want and, and then watch what you do. A lot of times we can say things that really are chipping away at our faith. We can say things, and James is going to go on into it a little bit more. When we're going through this, we'll use phrases, and I've used them. God's abandoned me. God doesn't love me anymore. God's disappointed in me. God doesn't want me. I used to use phrases like that all the time. Listen to me. Our God is different from us. We are so emotional. We are so connected on different relationships. Our emotions go up and down, up and down. But the Lord is so much different than us. He is so far removed from us. He loves us. The Bible teaches us this. He loves us with a perfect love. Do you all hear that? Perfect. That means tomorrow he's not going to see something in my life and go, hmm, I didn't see that coming. He knows about all the failures that I'm going to have in my life, that I've had in my life, and what I'm having right now. He knows it, and he loves me, and he paid that price for me. God loves me with that perfect love. And a lot of times we don't understand that. And we're trying to earn the approval of God. And we're trying to work for the approval of God. Let me tell you, that is a, the hamster in the cage mentality. You will never be able to undo what you've done. Never. Never. So be careful what you say. Watch what you do. He is teaching us that how we respond in the trials is so important in our life. It is so important, not only for the people around us, but even for our own spiritual health. Be careful to what you say. Be careful to what you do. And take time to hear from God's Word. Take time to hear from God's Word. You might be saying, well, how do I, how do I undo this? Because it's, it's a bad habit in my life. I, I can't help it. Yeah, you're right. I've got some bad habits. The quick and easy, the best way I can explain it is, if you have a sin of doing something, right? If you have a sin of watching or participating or doing something, if you have a sin of action, what do you need to do? You need to stop for a period of time. Just take time. 
take time in the, in, the, in the moment and reflect upon certain things. If you're struggling with internet stuff, turn it off. Seems pretty easy, right? Struggling with, uh, with the hate that you could do over the internet, over the chat, over the text, oh, those kind of things, turn it off. Just stop. Stop. Just take time and stop and begin to... Let me be very clear in this as well. Not only do you need to stop, but you need to put something good in your life. Put the Word of God into your life. Find some Psalms, find some Proverbs, find some Scripture to put into your life to help you during those struggles. And then when you feel the pressure coming, reflect upon the Scripture Think about what God says. Listen to what he says. When you're responding to the trials, be slow to speak, but be quick to hear. So listen to God before you say something. Be careful and watch what you do. Let's move on. Let's go to verse 21. He's going to get even deeper into this. So y'all think it's going to get easier? It's not. And I want to tell you, you're probably thinking, and Brother Jim, you're really stepping on my toes today. I've got one word for you today. Your toes look a lot like mine. Y'all will get that in a little while. Okay, maybe not. That means I've struggled with the same things you're struggling with, okay? Verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone think of you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Let's unpack this. I got two simple things here. No one, understand the big picture. Living the good life. God has got something for us. We understand that as God desires the greater good for us, we have a response to do that we owe to him, right? He desires the greater good for us, so we must respond accordingly. And this leads us to living the good life. This leads us to living the spirit-filled life. How do we do that? We've got to seek God in his word. We've got to seek him in his word. As we begin to read the Word, it begins to really challenge us. Yeah, this, this book of James is named appropriately because that's my name. It seems like this book of James really speaks. And the Lord's like, watch this. This is to Jim. <clears throat> and then he begins writing. As I go through the book of James, just about every page, just about every example, I have struggled with in here. And you and I, this is a reality of what we face. But here's what he wants us to do. He does not want us to sit back and be idle in our faith. You heard me uh, last Wednesday night as I was talking uh, about faith and as I was talking about the church. I made a comment, and it's something that's been on my heart this week as well. 
Jesus never called us to comfort. Never. You can go back and read the Gospels and watch this. Jesus never called the people to conjugate, to gather together like what we're doing. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. I, let me explain just a little bit. But here's what we do. We gather together. We sing some songs. We, we listen to Scripture. And then we walk out that door unchanged. Nowhere has Jesus called us to do that. He called us to action. Amen? He called you and I to movement. So if you're sitting still, you are being disobedient to God. And, and just like I said earlier, if you've got a sin in your life that you're doing something, you need to stop, practice some different things like silence, solitude, fasting, try some other things, put those things in your life. But if you're doing things, if you're not doing what God has called you to do, then what do you need to do? Come on, this is not rocket science. If I'm not, need, if I'm not doing something I should be doing, what do I need to be doing? Start doing it. Do you notice what he did here? He said, remove it. Remove the filthiness. And you're sitting there struggling like, how in the world can I do that? Put barriers in your life. Put accountability partners in your life. Put some things in your life that's going to challenge you. That's going to push the envelope just a little bit. Allow other people to peer into your life just a little bit. To where you can begin to say, you know what? I want everything that I do be done for the glory of God. I want everything that I do for people to see that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I may not be perfect, but I am following the one who is. And this is what we should be doing. But when we're walking around and we look no different from the world, how are we going to lead the world to Jesus? How? What we're actually communicating is, come to Jesus for a free ticket to heaven, but he'll, he won't change your life on earth. That's what we communicate when we don't begin to practice what we preach. We've got to do a better job. We've got to take this seriously. Why? Because God takes it very seriously. Do you think God takes sin serious? He put his only son on the cross because of sin. Do you think he takes it serious? Do you think he's going to laugh and shrug his shoulders and say, you tried? <laughs> Is that the picture that we're teaching? He said, no. How do we beat this? Put this filthiness away. Put this overflow of wickedness. Because we're drawn to sin. And when we begin to cohabitate with sin, death is going to occur. He's saying, don't do that. Take, be meek. That reminds me of Jesus telling his disciples, if any of you wants to come, take my, or he says, any of you is weary and heavy laden, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Follow me. That's what this word meekness means. We are understanding that Jesus is in control. And I want him to lead me by every step. I want to follow the master. Is that the kind of lifestyle we want? What do y'all think? 
Leonard Ravenhill is one of the great evangelists of the last century. <laughs> it's hard to say that now because I feel old. <laughs> at, a, at one time, he was meeting with, with a group of pastors, and they were talking about revival and how can we ha- how many want revival? He said, you know, they were going to ask him some questions because he got to experience revival a few times. And he, got, he was asked to come to speak, and he went to the stage. He laid down on his face on the ground. And he stayed there for a long time, praying, seeking God. And it got so long that the, he got uncomfortable. Y'all know, we've been in those services before where he got really uncomfortable. And after a long period of time, he stood up. He went to the mic, and he said, If... We can live a day without revival in our life. We will. And he walked off the stage. If you and I, if we don't desire to have God flowing through us with everything that He is, if we do not fully desire to be full of the Holy Spirit and let His power be manifested in this church, if that is not what we truly desire, if we can live without it, we will. That is a reality. You wonder what's happening to America? We have realized we can live without revival fire in our life. So we choose not. Because when you get, when you want to experience revival, you're getting real with God. And God's getting real with you. Amen? Y'all with me? <clears throat> okay. He says, but be doers of the word. This is just simply teaching you. Hey, take the Bible more than just a reading. More, it's more than a box to check off. Okay, I read my Bible today. I said my prayers. Bible is about engagement. It's about getting that word of God into your heart. And I I try the best I can to teach everyone the tools that I use to find the truth in Scripture, to apply those truths into my life. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to learn because you will one day, you're going to go through the trials. And if you're not applying the God's truth into your heart, then you are going to fail. So seek God's word. You might be saying, how do I seek? Wednesday night group, here we go. You ready? Specca. How many knows what specca is? When you're reading the scripture, go and pray. First thing, you need to pray. You need to ask God to open up your heart. Let God's word speak to you. And as you're reading scripture, ask yourself these questions. Number one, is there a sin that I'm reading in this text that I need to confess? Is there a sin there that I need to confess? then you need to stop right there. That's your application. You need to stop and you need to confess this sin. What does confession mean? It means, God, you're right, I'm wrong. That's what confession means. God, you are absolutely right about this situation and I'm wrong. See, if we don't do confession first, repentance doesn't mean anything. Repentance just means, I'm sorry I got caught. 
But the first part of it is God is right, I am wrong. And then repentance means God changed the way that I think about the sin. I don't want it to be living with me anymore. I want that sin out of the door. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it in my schools. I don't want it in my state. I don't want it in my city. I don't want it in my nation. Y'all follow me? That's what repentance is. And we begin to weep and mourn when we see other people playing around with this kind of stuff. Because we know what it leads to. It leads to death and destruction. So we we go to the scriptures and we say, is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a promise I need to obtain? In this text you see that not everything good comes from above. That God has a good plan for you and I. And we need to trust in it. Is there a promise I need to obtain? S.P. Sin, promise, is there an example I need to follow? Are you a doer of the word or are you just a hearer only? Y'all follow? C, is there a command? You can see it right here in verse 21. Therefore, lay aside, there's a command. Get rid of the filthiness. Get rid of the wickedness in your house. Get rid of that stuff in your life. Delete that stuff from your phone. Get that stuff out of here. I promise you, I promise you. I am 50, how old am I? Uh, 51, is that right? 51 years old? Oh, I feel like I'm 71. I'm 51 years old. And you know what? This social media stuff, has this been what? The last seven, eight years? Kind of growing, growing, growing. You know what? I've lived 43 years before that. I mentioned this on Wednesday night. I remember I, I took a quarter when I was a teenager, because my dad said, there's no reason why you can't call if you're going to be late. So I took a quarter, drilled a hole in it, and put it on my keychain. That was my cell phone. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Kids, y'all don't have a clue. Um, hey, I didn't want to meet my father when he was angry. I didn't, I'd seen him angry. I didn't want to go there. So I did some things to prevent that. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> Okay, going back to Specca, is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a promise I need to obtain? Is there a command I need to obey? Example, I need to follow. I skipped that one. Sin, promise, example, command I need to follow. And is there knowledge that I need to learn or knowledge I need to apply? If you will ask yourself these simple questions every time you read God's Word, how many times? I think some of y'all, will y'all say it loud enough for the people who sleep will wake up? How many times? Every time we go to God's Word, we need to be asking ourselves these questions. Why? Because the Bible is not about checking the box. It's about getting that Word off this page and into our heart. And the only way you and I can do it is when we put it in our mouth for a while and we chew on it. And we begin to think about it, think about it, think about it. Especially when you're crawling underneath the house with sewage. You begin to really think about it, right? You really begin to go, man, what is my life choices come to? You know? <laughs> I remember one time, this is before I, uh, I, was, I, I was out at U.S. Steel. It's funny for me. It's funny. I was out at U.S. Steel, and I was studying for a sermon. You know, I was working full-time and preaching as well, and I was working. And I was over there. I had all my books laid out, and I was studying for a sermon. I was trying to put it together while I was working. Boss came up to me and says, hey, you know U.S. Steel will pay for a doctorate if uh, – no, he said, U.S. Steel will pay for a master's. If you want to go into school, U.S. Steel will pay for it. I said, man, I've already got a master's. He said, boy, that really paid out for you, didn't it? 
It's those choices you make in life. A lot of times, I believe God led me through some of the struggles in my life so much so that I had to lean on Him to get through it. And through those times, my faith began to grow. And I can tell you with honesty of looking back at my life, I, at the, in the moment, I wish I could change everything. But now, looking back, I wouldn't change a thing because God has grown me. He has disciplined me. He shaped me to the person I am today. Is He done with me? No. And for y'all can say, thank God for that, right? He's not done. He's working on the rough edges. He's trying. He's, he's using his word to wash over me, to help me. There's some spots in my life that you wish God would hurry up and get to. But he's working on other areas in my life that needs to be strengthened first. Before he gets to that spot that really irritates you. Okay, so, and this is what he's doing with all of us. Because everything he does is for our greater good. Everything he does is for our greater good. So you and I can look at trials and go, I, I'm not going to enjoy going through this, but this is going to be a moment I'll never forget. Amen. We can learn to obey God's word. Place those truths into our heart. Learn those, apply those, think about those. Have y'all heard me say before, you've got to spend time in God's Word. Have y'all heard me say that? <laughs> you've got to spend time in God's Word. 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 Listen to me. Watching a podcast, watching a web stream, watching, um, listen, I, I listen to all kinds of pastors. I li I'll listen to Stanley, I'll listen to Platt, I'll listen to uh, Gality, I'll listen to all kinds of stuff. My, my podcast, I generally dedicate when I travel on the road going places, that's the time I listen to podcasts. And, and I listen to sermons, I take that in, but they can never, never Ever, ever, I don't care if you're watching Adrian Rogers on television. I don't care what you're watching on television. If you're not spending time in God's Word, it is not helping you. It's not. But see, we've become so entertainment-driven, we want to be entertained in all different ways. And there's no change in our life. That's why the world is true. The world is absolutely honest with us when they say, I don't want to go to church because you guys act just like us. What's the difference between you and me? Folks, it's time for us to get into God's Word and begin to let His Word change us. I promise you this. He can do it. Did y'all hear that I said earlier that I was a guy that was 26 years old. I'm 51. I've just made a lot of confessions to this so far, right? Fifteen years I've been reading. When I did my doctoral dissertation, I read over a hundred books for my doctoral work. Did y'all hear me? I don't like to read. <laughs> but God can use things in our life to challenge us, to stretch us, to grow us, to, to raise us up, to change us from within. God has done some things. And you can do it too. I remember the first day I went into seminary. Now I'm going to close with this. First day I went into seminary. 
here's what the guy said. First class I was in. <laughs> he goes to the front. He sets his Bible down to the lecture, and he says, Today, I want to tell you this. You have all of God that you want in your heart right now. The only thing limiting God from working in your life is you. Ten out of ten pastors, one out of every ten pastors in this room will make it to the end. Why is that, why is that statistic true? Because you have as much of God as you want right now. Let's pray. Father, let's not walk out of here.